0: Welcome to the Smart Women in Business podcast with me, your host, Jane Mackay. We've got big ideas for small business. Hello and welcome to the Smart Women in Business vlog and podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking to Marcy Hanhart, a business strategist with a 30-year career in the corporate world and as a small business owner. Marcy empowers other business owners to achieve greater profitability while being able to afford themselves more time to pursue those things they are passionate about and don't we want to spend more time doing that all of us marcy helps to create sustainable changes by understanding numbers solving operational and team issues and improving leadership skills as well as addressing a business owner's mindset to help them to uncover blind spots that keep them from achieving their true potential i'm so happy to have you here marcy i am
1: absolutely thrilled to be on the show thank you so much jane
0: i'm really um now obviously we've done research we've had a chat and Please tell me about your business journey because it's been a really interesting one and how you've evolved and how you got to where you are today.
1: Thank you. Well, I think the most interesting thing about my business journey is that I never planned to be in business. That was not something that interested me at all, although I am at least a third generation entrepreneur on both sides. It's (laughs) I know it's kind of funny. So I went to school and in my senior year, I spent a year in Europe. Prior to that, I'd been a math major. My father was a mechanical engineer and I thought numbers were absolutely fascinating and I followed him around for everything. And then I went to study in Europe, in Paris specifically, art capital of the world, and said, why am I studying numbers when I could be studying culture?
0: Oh, (laughs) yes,
1: Paris. So changed my major came back to the United States, and went to work. My first real job was at the United Nations. Which is amazing. So you could only stay in the position I had for two and a half years, and I got into broadcast then, because I wanted to cover international affairs. I'm not a political person, but I'm very much involved in, you know, knowing how things work in other countries, how people feel, the culture was being different. And so that's how I began my career in media. I ended up at ABC television. And then I ended up being an independent television producer. And I produced a documentary about the confluence of technology as it was then with telephone systems, which really dates me.
0: (laughs) It's all right. It sounds like when I did my master's in media in the early noughties where the internet was just becoming a thing
1: exactly so I was hired by IBM to really launch a new subsidiary in digital technology and that's how I got into business
0: wow it's that and then (laughs) so from that original point which is 30 years ago ish
1: a little bit more
0: more. (laughs) how then has your business evolved and how have you evolved with your business do you feel
1: It's very interesting. I was a very short, well, short time, maybe four to six years as an employee with um, different large business companies like Fortune 100s. And it just wasn't for me. I'm just too much of a, I hope I'll be forgiven for this, kind of a free thinker. I'm not really good at following rules and stuff. I did it. (laughs) So um, I had an opportunity with this new subsidiary. And then there was a breakup between the companies. And I said, look, I'm going to consult to businesses on how to implement this technology. Whatever the business is, I did projects for banks, for training companies, for you name it. And it slowly evolved. And I started the most substantial business I had was a company with my husband at the time. It was a software development company, which we had for eight years. And we really didn't see things eye to eye. And one of us was gonna leave the company to the other. And this wonderful Australian company, which was really the first coaching organization in the world came to me and said, how would you like to become a business coach? And I said, well, what the heck is that? Because nobody knew 20 years ago. Mm, mm. So I listened to all of the processes and procedures and probably made, Jane, what I would say is the most naive comment I ever made. And that was, why would any business owner not hire
0: a coach? (laughs) And every business, as far as I'm concerned, needs a coach. But 20 years ago, it was completely different.
1: It was completely different, and everybody thought, if I'm going to hire a coach, I'm failing. Mm. Why would I need a coach if I'm not failing? Which, of course, for those of us who know we're athletes or who had children who were athletes, we all know that the best athletes get coaches. Mm. But it's taken a while for that to evolve into business today. So anyway, I saw the, the processes and the methodologies, but also the man who created it and brought me in, realized that he also needed people who were going to bring their own approach to things. And that was what was good for me, mm. because I didn't have to stay in a little narrow training program. Mm.
0: Because as that sort of maverick spirit that you mentioned, we like to play outside the box, you know, <laughs> we don't like to draw color in the lines. Um, and, and I noticed that in your history you mentioned, or in your bio, you mentioned profit first.
1: Oh, it's amazing
0: you and I've just sort of started implementing it in my business so tell me more about yeah. how you work with that and, and where you see the benefits for for business owners you oh know, I'd that's love that's to tell you that
1: love to so early on Mike McAllowitz, you know the author of the book I think yeah. it was his, honestly I don't remember if it was third or third or fourth book but I met him before the book that book was actually published I met him in a network group and I loved what he said about the book because one of the things that i had been taught long ago was you cannot really coach a business successfully if you don't understand the financials mm. you can't read a PL and a balance sheet and all of that mm. so mike had come up with this very simple concept of basically deciding you're going to make a profit mm. and running your business accordingly mm. and i loved it and as soon as i figured out how i could blend this in with action coach I signed on the very first year. I think I was the second coach, meaning not an accountant and not a bookkeeper, to sign into the program. And I have been using it, blended in with other coaching methodologies for eight years.
0: Wow. Because it's, it's – and if you don't know Profit First, read the book. Right. Um, it, it, it really revolutionizes the way that you approach your numbers. And what can be measured can be improved which is a really important thing around numbers. I
1: think what I like the most about it is that prior to that, there actually were business owners that I would speak to and others of my colleagues who would say things like, well, you don't understand my business. In my business, we really can't make a profit. Well, that's not true. No. Because you can make a profit in any business. Yes. So this people who contact me because they've heard about profit first They are already committed to making their, to understanding their numbers and to running their business on the numbers. So Mm -hmm. once we get through the analysis of the numbers, which I really like because I think I told you I started out as a math major. Math brain, lucky (laughs) you. (laughs) A little bit of that right brain, left brain juggling, but sometimes it's helpful.
0: Yeah, and Profit First is so elegant and so simple that it really can be implemented in any business. Even I can do it, and I do not have a math brain.
1: Well, there you go. But, you know, some people really can't because when you get to a more complex business, what we have that people don't always consider and is not really addressed all that much in the book is what happens between the money that comes in on the top line, your income, and that money that we then call gross profit those costs of goods in between. Mm. And so we spend a lot of time on that. In fact, in a month, I'm going to be launching a group profit first for the first time because one of my clients who is in the pet business worked with me and said, I think you should do this for other people in my business. So if you have any pet owners listening, pet walkers, pet sitters, pet shops, (laughs) I'm going to be doing something for that.
0: That's really, uh, because people talk about niches as well in business and how you shouldn't niche too hard, but it's really, when you find a a type of business you like to work with or a business system that you're really interested in, niching is really fun for you as a business owner. That's right. It's about finding joy in your business.
1: So I'm going to start with this one special interest group and then I have a few others in mind that I'm going to. This is my.
0: Oh, really? See, there you go. Business evolution. I love it. So how do you manage your life as an entrepreneur and, it, you know, burnout and, and, and time management and all of those things that we need to consider when we're running a, a successful business, successful both from a personal point of view and a, and a profit point of view?
1: Right, right. It's an excellent question. And I kind of dreaded that you might ask me that. <laughs> particularly in COVID, because of course, we're all during this time locked into our homes. Mm. So I must admit, I have fallen into the trap of many people, which is I'm not quite sure what day it is. And I certainly am not sure what time it Time it is. But I've always I've worked on my own for over 35 years. So I have my own little routines. And one routine is that I always get up and get dressed for work, even if work is sitting in front of my computer. I like to get into that professional mindset. I mean, I may not put all my makeup on for the females on the call or my best <laughs> top, but I'm definitely dressed differently than if I were just hanging around the house. First thing I try to do in the morning after I check emails, because I always want to see what's coming from a client or a prospect, but usually clients. For me, the most gratifying thing is to get something from a client that is not an assignment or a required communication with me, right? They're telling me something that's happened or they're asking me a question. And that is what launches my day. It really does. I get a cup of coffee. I often forget to eat until about two in the afternoon. (laughs) And I just sit down, I have lists. I still work by lists. And I try to have specific breaks. Just since January the 1st, I've been walking every day. I heard on a podcast that I had to have an accountability partner. So I got one and that helps.
0: Yes. Accountability is Um, very important.
1: Follow my list, do some reading. What's something new that I can learn and to keep up to date because you can fall into the habit of using materials you used 20 years ago. And that's really just my day. My cup of coffee, following my list, talking to my clients and attempting to learn one new thing every day that I can share. I like it. Pretty Later, basic. What do you think? Pretty basic.
0: Yeah. I, I'm still a paper list person. I, um, I love writing things down and crossing them off. And I know a lot of people are still like that, no matter how many digital tools we have. So what does a really great day in the office look like for you?
1: Oh, my gosh. A great day in the office for me is always starting with a phone call. I try to have one client scheduled at nine o'clock every day because when I talk to a client, I'm in a really good mood. One of the things that I've learned to do over the years is at the end of the client call, I have them wrap up and I say, what's the biggest value you've gotten today? So by knowing one, they're registering the value, which is great because Mm -hmm. they can write it down and keep using that. But it gives me something that really ups my day. Mm -hmm. So that's a great day. I like to have quiet time. My ideal day would be only three clients in any given day. Okay. So that would be good because then I can walk around. I can check my notes. I can make sure I'm not behind and I can talk to prospects, which I also love. Hmm. I love doing that because I get their story. I get they hear their story. They can dig down into their lives they can understand that and share with me, you know this, if you have your own business, your life is your business and your business is your life, right? And they're so intertwined. And a lot of business owners I find, maybe more men than women, honestly, don't seem to really see the connection. It's sort of work, work, work. I have my family to take care of. I have these things I need to do. Many are used to doing a lot on their own, not delegating, so talking with them and showing or leading them to see the opportunity that's there for them is a great day for me.
0: Amazing, and and I'm like you, I love a client call. Like it is, I'm in my happy place, I'm really high energy, talk really fast, but yeah, and I love rounding out with that question. That's a really great idea and I think it's one I might implement too. So yeah, fabulous. Thank
1: you. I did forget to put in there that I do a bit of, um, I do deep breathing, I do
0: mindset work. Yeah, you know, I, I talk the meditation to meditation break the universe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I think um, oftentimes when we feel tired or a bit worn out, because we do get no matter how much you love your business, it still can be really exhausting. You know, the in the olden days. Um, when I first started my business, the temptation would be, oh, I'll just go and have a little, little lie down or a little rest. And now I meditate and I find that increases my energy instead of resting, which decreases my energy. So. That's absolutely
1: right. I meditate and I write in a diary.
0: Oh, you journal as well?
1: I do, but it's not official journaling. It's sort yeah. of I write down, I always write down every day now that I've recognized it, there is at least a handful. That means three or more things that I can specifically say are good that happened to me over which I had absolutely no control. Mm, beautiful. And when I focus on those, it just makes me joyous because I know that there's something up there greater than I really who's watching out for me. Mm, mm. And so I always tell my clients, be aware at the end of the day, even if you don't journal,
0: mm.
1: be aware of the things that happened during the day that were, either something good you couldn't predict or something you really wanted and you had no idea could possibly happen you can almost always come up with something
0: mm, that's beautiful i always generally like, beginning of the day but journaling at the end of the day is also valuable and and amplifying the gratitude and the joy in your life uh brings more gratitude and joy into it your does. life it does
1: well, if I fall asleep on the sofa, then I do it in the morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what tools do you use in your business to help you be productive uh, in okay. your day?
1: Okay. So I was thinking about this a while ago and I thought, gee, I use a lot of really basic tools like loose leaf binders and old tactile things, but I do use some new technology, which I find, well, not really new, but technology. Well, you've got a background forward. in
0: digital tech, so...
1: Well, I do, but you know, things change a lot in 30 years. (laughs)
0: Things change a lot in five years. (laughs) Yes, they do. Um,
1: I I always use Google. I love Google Sheets Mm. because my client can share with me and do the same things as I explain it. Mm. Occasionally, someone says to me, I'd rather do this on Zoom and watch you. And if they do that, then I send it to them in Google and they can do all kinds of additions for me and for themselves that I can see. And it's a really, really effective way to go. Mm. I love Calendly.
0: Yeah.
1: And I love Calendly without letting everyone know that it's Calendly. I advise people go in and get a great little URL. Mine's as simple as can be, bookmarcy.com.
0: Yeah.
1: That has made our lives so much easier. When I say ours, it's my assistant. I didn't yeah. mention my assistant, who is now virtual, but she wasn't. Oh, she was
0: here by, she, she by necessity.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, what else do I use? I'm. Uh, you can imagine. I love Excel. <laughs> I think there's nothing that can't be done in Excel, and so I use that a lot. And really, not too many other gimmicky things. That's it.
0: Yeah, love a good spreadsheet.
1: <laughs> They're great.
0: They're amazing. They're great. Yeah.
1: I have a friend who teaches courses on Excel and how it can revolutionize your business. And you would not believe how many fortune 100 companies she teaches her classes to, because there's so many things you can do where you don't even need a major CRM
0: Mm.
1: or the people doing the office work. Don't have to link into this big thing and can keep track of stuff. Mm. So I really like that.
0: Yeah. It's simple yet elegant. Um, So one of the things that I always ask on all of my podcasts is one of the things that affects every entrepreneur pretty much that I've known is imposter syndrome. So what are your methods to overcome this? And how do you manage the bad days in business? They're not the shiny ones we see on Instagram. Right.
1: Right. Okay. Well, we've mentioned a few of them, but one of the ones that I fall back on when I became a coach 20 years ago, I did have a lot of business experience. And I made all the mistakes that everybody else makes. There's no question about it, right? And on the first day I had a coaching call, I was so incredibly fearful. I can hardly describe it. And someone said to me, just be friendly and know the system will get you through. The system will get you through. So that's deep, deep, deep in my mind. But on a bad day, on a really bad day, I will telephone someone who knows me well, either a friend who knows nothing about business (laughs) or a contact I know through business who's maybe known me for 10 or 20 years or has asked for my guidance or asked for my coaching. Honestly, this is such a basic thing to do, but I just call them and I say, this is not really an up day. Talk to me. (laughs) And I find it helps a tremendous amount, a tremendous amount.
0: Human connection. I'll go ask. Pardon. Human connection.
1: Human connection, but people who know me well. And then I have my little tricks. I will go. I have a crazy thing. I have bricks that lead up to my front door and the bricks were put directly on the earth. But, you know, do what works for you. And little pieces of grass and weed will grow up between the bricks And I will go up there and manually pull up the weeds and talk to myself. (laughs) And there are going to be people on this call who think I'm totally nuts. And I apologize for that. It's
0: fine. (laughs) It's fine. We're not here to judge.
1: Nope. Nope. But you know, it's whatever works for you. I'm in nature. I'm doing something useful.
0: Mm.
1: I kind of talk to myself. I say, isn't this great that I live in this place? I love my little old house. It's old, 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 almost a hundred years old. Wow. And a lot of things have happened here, good and bad. And it, it brings me back. Yeah. Sometimes I'll also browse through my journal. Reflection. Reflection. Mm. And see what's happened. So there's my not too creative answer, but it's what works for me.
0: It's what works for you. Going out and being, well, it's like grounding yourself, isn't it? It's being in that connected place that connects the space to the bigger the, biggest, the bigger energy that is
1: right. Well, it's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I'm grounding myself right with the ground. I'm down there.
0: Mm. I actually just realized I do something quite similar. I'll get on the phone to my mom or someone and go pull weeds. And I hadn't ever thought of that as something that I do, but yes, I do the same thing. So yeah, especially in this time of COVID and I understand that it's really challenging where you are. um, How do you maintain your sense of community?
1: Great question, um, because I have extended the things that I do recently for that sense of community. I really have. I have been, over the last few years, far more active in my church, and my church is extremely active in the community. It's a church that actually started something to start a major program in the county to get food into food banks, to serve people who don't have enough food, and those kinds of things we can do and go out and physically do them even in COVID and with the COVID restrictions.
0: Mm, Because
1: Everything is done outside. Mm. We have to wear masks. I do a lot of that. I belong to another charitable group, which is worldwide. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's Rotary. Yeah. And Rotary, we do a lot of those things as well. And we do them physically. Just Monday night, I served in a soup kitchen. Mm. And it's a really... Um, what do I want to say? It takes me out of myself and it gives me an opportunity to talk with people and to do something that is very communally bonding. Mm -hmm. So I do that. And then I have to say it's zoom community, but I have a very tight knit community of people, both in action coach and in profit first. Yeah. Yeah. And so I probably am on at minimum one call a week with people that I really know very, very well. And that helps.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, and in summer I have a huge and beautiful backyard. So I had lots of people over in the summer and we could easily keep our six foot distance
0: outside. Uh, Yeah. Well, it's summer here now and, um, we don't have so many restrictions now. So I'm looking forward to seeing people again because we were in quite a hard lockdown, uh, for, for a long time. Um, so I'm quite excited to to get back into actually seeing people and, and you, Uh, it's made us realize how important that is. It absolutely has. And there's
1: something else. So I walk a lot Mm. and, It's amazing how that helps a sense of community because people I find are far more open and friendly than they were before. No one ever passes by whether they're running or on their bike or walking their dog or just strolling along without saying, hello, how are you? Mm -hmm. And since I walk in my own neighborhood, I occasionally see faces of people if, and I don't know them very well. I know that I've seen them before at the grocery store, at the library, I find it a very, very bonding. I've heard people say the opposite, but I don't find it. I find it to be really friendly.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, because we spoke off air before. So you live in New Jersey, um, yes. which is obviously a very large population. Uh, whereas I live in a small country town with a population of less than a thousand. Oh. So when I go to the city and start saying hello to people in the street, people just look at me strangely.
1: Well, that would be true. And we're <laughs> pretty large here, but it's suburban mm. and bordering on the country. I mean, we have lots and lots of farms and horse country very, very close to here. I used to ride and I only had to walk for five minutes to get oh. to this whole big, this ring. So, Oh,
0: beautiful. I love riding. I love horse riding.
1: Well, so do I. And I didn't learn until I was an adult. Oh. The moment I moved to New Jersey... I said, I'm, l- I'm learning to
0: ride. You, when you so came I- to New Jersey for six months.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, so I'm from a state called Maryland and Maryland is a huge horse state, but yeah, I never learned learn to ride, ride when I was there. So okay. I had to wait.
0: <laughs> it I is, a, a lo- I adore horse riding. It's so free, I always feel free when I'm on a horse. I love it. So um, what's your why? What keeps you motivated?
1: my why you know i didn't know my why for a long long time what i do know is that i always was i was always helping people i remember this gal who was actually she became a very close friend of mine she was in my dorm room my freshman year at college and she was valedictorian In her school, which I don't know if you have that term in Australia, but it's the top, the top person here, the top in the class. Okay, really, really smart. I was definitely not the valedictorian, (laughs) but I did go to a very good small school. And we didn't do a lot of objective testing, you know, yes, no, multiple choice, all of that. We did a lot of composition, subjective testing. And here was this gal, so smart, and we had to write essays in college. And I remember taking hours out of my nights to go over and help her learn to write in a composition style. So I think that in my entire life, I was sort of taking people under my wing. Not with intent, but I just love to help people do something that they were having a difficult time doing. So part of my why, it's easily split, Part of it is because I'm a parent and I think as a parent, we always want to be a role model for our children. Yes. And I happen to be a parent of a boy.
0: I have a boy. A man now, but a male. Well, mine's six. He's very loud. (laughs) They (laughs) are very good boy out there at the moment.
1: (laughs) There you go. So the thing is I, I raised him for many, many years on my own. So I had, I had, um, I mean, I do like sort of macho. I didn't want a mama's boy. He definitely is not. But I really wanted him to respect women. I wanted him to see what women can accomplish and that, you know, to 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 look for that, basically, I think. Which he has. He absolutely has. He's with a wonderful woman. So part of it's that. Part of it was role model for my son. And the other part is really my why is... It's not easy to be an independent business owner. Particularly if you've got a real company. Yeah. You know, with employees and payroll and lots and lots of right? Possibilities, mm-hmm. but also decisions that might help in one area and don't help so much in another area. It's very, very complex. Mm. And having had several companies of my own and launched launched major initiatives for at least three fortune 100 companies i really know what it's like so my why is to help these individual entrepreneurs move from not just from where they are today in a practical sense but move mentally and emotionally to see and believe what they can achieve that's huge for me
0: and it's huge that is huge because mindset is realistically the restriction.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll throw in here that there's a little more to this than just talk. I'm sure you're familiar with Tony Robbins. People know him all over the world. Yes. Okay. So what he uses is neuroscience to change people, some basic neuroscience theories. So I took a break about two years ago. I kept on coaching, but I became certified 400 hours of neuroscience because I really wanted to find practical ways. No, I'm not saying I'm Tony Robbins, <laughs> but real ways that would work to help people break through that invisible something that was holding them back. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So I believe hugely in mindset I love
0: and um, yeah.
1: helping people break through that is, is major.
0: Yeah. It's, and it, it changes lives.
1: It sure it's, does. Yeah. It changed think- mine. It's changed mine because I was in a really bad place about 16 years ago and um, you know, I had to get through it.
0: Yeah. It
1: was after a divorce. There are lots and lots of women who are divorced, men who are divorced, their egos drop, their security drops, you know, their belief drops and that's um, a terrible thing to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Resilience.
1: Perfect so, word. Thank you.
0: <laughs> what are your top tips for pick a number, any number you like, for the smart women in business, and I'm assuming some men too, around Australia and the world that are listening to this right now?
1: Oh, so glad you asked. My smartest tip is just believe you can do it. Don't stop because of what anybody else says, and don't stop because of the roadblocks that you encounter. So the first is believe and do. Acting is more important than thinking. The second right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. We think forever, we don't act. And I've had clients like that and it's just very sad Mm. looking at everything that can go wrong instead of everything that can go right. right. So that's number one do and think of what can go right. Don't focus on everything that can go wrong. Okay. The second thing is ask for help. Mm. Ask anyone for help. Most people are willing to help Mm. men, women, people who've done what you've done, people who just want to support you. So that's certainly number two. And I think number three is find a tool or a mechanism that works for you. Some type of a belief system. You know, maybe it's deep breathing. Maybe it's talking to God. Maybe it's writing in a book. Maybe it's playing with your child who just makes you feel like you're the greatest thing since sliced <laughs> bread. It doesn't matter. Has something you can do for that. And set bigger goals than you think you can achieve
0: absolutely i love that i love it thank you so much for your time today marcy how can listeners find out more about you and your work
1: okay well they can find out about me on my website which i'll and yeah my newest website is would you like me just to tell you
0: you can tell me or i'll link it in the show notes but people might okay it's my website.
1: And also, I'm very happy for you to publish my email because anyone who emails me, if they put your name in the title, I will get back to them. And if they'd like to talk to me, that's great.
0: Thank you. But Marci.
1: marcihanhart.com is easy to remember.
0: It is. It is. Thank you so much, Marcy. Thank you.
1: It's I'm delighted absolutely- to have been on your show. Thank-
0: you've been listening to the Smart Women in Business podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe.